This is College Dame Day, a podcast for college football fans, hosted by three sisters who recap last week's games, talk about upcoming matchups, and find some time to trash talk the teams they don't like. Let's join Megan, Amy, and Laura as they break the huddle and kick off this week's episode. All right, welcome back to College Dame Day. Um, As we kick off week three, we're going to go ahead and start with a game. I'm going to turn it over to Amy to get us started. All right, well, we had such great feedback from our fans about last week's game that we are going to play another one. And we're going to be playing Two Truths and a Lie. So you guys and me will all give two true statements and then a lie, and we're trying to guess which one the lie is. So I will go first. First statement. I once won a pie-eating contest. Number two, I have broken my nose in several different places, my femur and my toe. Number three, I drag raced mom on 90th Street in Omaha. So you guys get to pick out the lie. Okay. I am going to go with B. Okay. So you think that I have not broken all those bones? Correct. Okay. I know that you have broken your nose and your femur. I'm not 100% sure about your toe. I completely believe that you've drag raced mom on 90th Street. So that one I think is a truth. I'm not sure if you've won a pie-eating contest. I can see it, but I'm not, I don't know for yeah, sure. I know, so, I know she won a pie-eating contest. Hey, you can't oh. help each other. All right, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the she's broken one. her femur. When she was a baby, she broke her femur. Uh, I'm wondering about the toe. I, we for I'm sure go- have broken our toes. Maybe not confirmed diagnosis, but we for sure have. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say B, the broken bones, is the lie. Okay, Laura. You're sticking I'm going to change the dr- to drag racing, and I'm going to say you drag raced her, but at a different location. Okay, you guys suck, because I would have fooled both of you, but you talked each other into it. Laura's right. I did drag race mom, but it was by the Irvington Street exit and not on 90th. I did break all those bones, and I did win a pie-eating contest, so that's me. Megan, why don't you go next? All right, statement number one. I am currently raising four chickens in my backyard. Two. I have never in my entire life ever gotten a speeding ticket. Three, I'm obsessed with true crime, podcast books, documentaries, etc. Okay, well, the last one is definitely true because she listens to all those crime things. I and go with A. I think A. Think you have four of them. But I yeah. Chickens. I, mean, I, know I, think, I think there's five chickens. Um. I believe that she's never gotten a speeding ticket because she drives pretty slow. <laughs> so I'm going to go with grandma. A. I'm going to go with A. All right. You guys are both correct. Hey! We chickens in our backyard up until about a month and a half ago when we had an unfortunate incident with a weasel. He broke oh. in and slaughtered one chicken and seriously injured another and we had to put her down. So Leia and Padme are the only chickens we still have. But they are doing well, laying eggs, living their best little chicken lives in our backyard. Anyway, that was it. You guys got it. All right. I am one for one. Laura? Okay. Well, I am hoping that my sisters will get this. We'll throw it to the listeners, though. All right. So my two truths and a lie. I have been to over 10 European countries. I am left-handed. I have my math. Master's degree in business administration. Okay. okay. Right. We are related. So we do, yes. have, we we do know. know that you're a left-hander. <laughs> can knock that it's one out. Good. 
Also, let's um, have an A. We know that as well. So I'm going with A. Yeah, you must have been. But like, I guess I feel like she's also been to a ton of European countries too, because she just said over ten. So, so it must be like nine. It must be nine or something. So yeah, I'm gonna go with A. Correct. Good job, guys. So yes, I have only been to, unless I'm miscounting, to nine European countries. I threw that one in as a little bonus because we did do a sister's trip this summer and visited Europe. So Amy might have to put some pictures up on our fan page for you guys to check out. All right, let's move into um, the Husker game. Nebraska played Northern Illinois and our very own Laura was there at the game. So I'd like to hear from you. What was it like, Laura? Well, it was a night game, which was pretty exciting since the last night game I tried to go to was versus Akron last year. We all know who that turned out. So pretty exciting uh, night game. The energy in the crowd was fantastic. So overall, positive experience. We got out of there with the win. I'd say the most electric moment in the stadium was when we stopped them on fourth and goal after we held them at like the two yard line for three downs. Yes. Was hopping. So that was pretty exciting. Um, What about the like red out or whatever the glow that they had in the fourth quarter? Was that pretty awesome? It was. It was a lot of fun. They turned off the overhead stadium lights. And so it was just people turned on their phone flashlight. And so that was kind of neat and kind of cool. We did the Husker power chant. So yeah, it was, it's a pretty good vibe. The tunnel walk always is something you want to be a part of. And the team played well. If we're going to talk about about the game itself, still very impressed with our defense. Question mark on if we found a kicker and still nervous about the offense. Okay. Well, I thought that we made very good steps in the offense um when adrian came out there and he threw those two horrible passes that were not even close to being really catchable i was like oh my gosh he's rattled already and then third down right away he hits jd spielman over the top perfect right on the money and i was just like okay there he is that's the adrian from last year that had a short memory when he made mistakes he could throw a pick fumble do something bad and then just come back and take us on a long touchdown drive and score That was like the first, uh, okay, there he is. I see him again moment for me. I actually thought our offense looked a lot better. I think that Diedrich Mills was talking in the the post-game press conference about how he was like finally patient this week. Um, He was waiting for his blockers and you could see that. He got through some big holes. He had a couple big runs. He had that touchdown run and that really did open up our passing game then too. Um, And then Mo Washington on the ground as well. And then he hit several different receivers. Noah got his first um, touchdown catch. So I was really, like, I'm not saying I'm satisfied with our offense, but I really thought it was a step in the right direction. Yeah, I agree that the offense looked better. I also agree that there's a lot more room for improvement. And I think the biggest issue is still just that offensive line. They are not able to hold for long enough for Adrian to really be comfortable throwing. And I felt like there were times, and you guys can tell me what you thought. I felt like there were times that Adrian was trying to maybe read the defense, but he just stood there. Like it took him a very long time to make a decision. Even when it seemed like even when he had decided to run, he just kind of was like a deer in the headlights. I don't know if he was waiting for holes to open up because they weren't opening up um, or if it's just all too much for him to process that quickly. But it did concern me a little bit. I just felt like 
there's still some shakiness there that just makes me nervous about the offense. What did you guys think? Did you see any of that? I mean, I saw some indecision, but I also saw a lot of good things too. I mean, if you guys are going to focus on the negatives, I'm going to focus on the positives. He had that third down run where he kept it and took it to the outside. That was clutch. And the thing is, he has that big body and he, if we only are at third and two, third and one, those short downs that he just has to get a couple yards. He was taking it himself. And I liked that because he can just kind of power over people. So yes, his decision making wasn't perfect. There was times he kept it when I thought he should not have, but then there was times that he did make the right decision. And I don't think you're going to make all the right ones, but he made enough for the offense to get firing a little and to get some confidence back. I mean, how many different guys had receptions that hadn't had them all year? I I think it was a step in the right direction. Was he perfect? Was the offense perfect? No. But there was times when he had a good deal of time back in the pocket to throw, I thought. Not every time, but I just thought overall it was a much better effort. I think the name of the game for Adrian is going to just be consistency. So kind of what Amy was talking about. He had moments of brilliance, but he also had some moments that he held onto the ball too long. Maybe he should have scrambled but didn't. What I've kind of noticed as the one of the biggest differences from last year is his hesitance to scramble aggressively. So if you hang around to the fourth quarter, Noah Vedral came in. We ran a play where basically it was almost like a QB sneak, but from a few more than a few yards out. So quarterback keep, he runs it in, dives head first, takes it very aggressive. I don't see Adrian making those plays like he did last year. So I don't know, again, I've said this before, if they've kind of gone to him and said, hey, look first to throw, then you can scramble, but scramble conservatively because I don't see that same kind of aggression this year. So I don't know if he's injured or it's just part of the play scheme. I want to keep him healthy. Big thing to note though, major injury for us on the offensive line, left tackle, probably one of the best. Uh, Brandon Hymas did go out with me. I have to keep an eye on that. Didn't look good. He When they walked him off the field, he wasn't putting any weight on his leg or his, his knee. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. The only silver lining, if we can say that, is that he is a true junior. We would be able to redshirt him um, if that came to it. But not looking good for the offensive line. I think I think that's what I was referring to when I said he was indecisive. It was just that lack of aggression in running. Because even when he had decided to run, it seemed like he was very uncertain about where to go and you know how to go about it rather than just plowing ahead. Like you said, much better game. I do think he needs to continue becoming more consistent for us to be successful. And I think our offensive line does need to continue improving to give him the space to be more confident. Because I think he, he's really worried about just dumping that pass off as soon as he can. He's not getting all of his receivers involved until this game, um, which I was glad to see as well. So I thought that was better. I don't want to be completely negative, Amy. I did notice, though, that he did seem still just a little bit hesitant. Um, he did say in the press conference that was this morning that he is trying to work on, I think because of how he got hurt in the Colorado game last year, he is trying to work on when do I be aggressive and lower my shoulder and go for those extra yards? And when do I play it safe and just go down or whatever? And so he said he thinks he's getting a better handle on that this year. So there could be just some of that, like, smart plays. We don't need me to get injured this play. Or, you know, we do need the first down this time, so I need to lower my shoulder. 
um, just that kind of stuff I think he's working through. So I think it was definitely a step in the right direction for him. So it sounds like we were at least impressed with the improvement on offense. Who are you guys' picks for your offensive player of the game? And I have so many, so someone else go first. Okay, Megan, why don't you go first? My selection was Austin Allen, Nebraska boy. He is the guy who recovered the fumble by Jack Stoll for that big gain. So he maintained that for us. Um, And then on special teams, he is the player who recovered the fumble off the blocked Northern Illinois punt. Um, And he also spotted the faked punt. I just felt like it was a heads up play all around. He was um, really on it. And he is my offensive player of the game. I did like that. Um, like when we block that punt, he has those giant paws and he just like one handed palm that bad boy and picked it up and took off. Laura, who did you? Oh, wait, I'm supposed to go next because sure. you have so many players. OK. All right. I picked Noah on offense just because he got that first touchdown catch. It was beautiful. Back of the end zone. He got that foot down before he went out. It was just a picture perfect. I mean, it was a very good throw by Adrian, but it was just that tall body going up, getting it, getting that foot down. It was really pretty. And I've just seen him working all year. He's been blocking. He's been working hard out there and he really hasn't gotten any recognition for what he's been doing. And so I I thought that was really great. And he was so excited when they uh, reviewed it and then they called it a touchdown. His hands were in the air and he was like signaling touchdown two and running around and everyone was cheering with him. So that was my, my offensive player of the game. How about you, Laura? All right. So you guys mentioned a couple of mine. I'm going to pick the obvious, which is Dedrick Mills. Before the game, they were talking to Scott Frost, and they were asking if this was going to be a breakout game for him. And Scott was hopeful that it would be. So he had 11 carries, 116 yards, averaged over 10 yards a carry, and had one touchdown. So I think it was a breakout game for him. I think it took a little bit of pressure off of Mo Washington, who still looks stellar. Um he did have a, the small fumble in the first, um, but it wasn't really a small one. <laughs> hey, who's trying to be positive earlier here? Okay, that okay, I do. Um, like positive. But overall, again, I thought this was was his breakout game, which is exactly what we wanted. We wanted to get more people involved with the offense. You mentioned Noah Mills was part of that, so he wins my offensive player of the game. Can we just talk really quick though about how fast Mo Washington is when he took that ball to the outside? Um, I was like, oh my gosh, he just left those guys in the dust. It looked like one of them had the corner on him and could push him out of bounds. And then he just turned it into another gear and took off. Oh my gosh, that made me really excited. I just love speed. It's my favorite. <laughs> she means the, um, not the drug, but the okay. actual movement. Yes, I forgot that there was a drug called speed. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to give a shout out though to Vedral because I was really impressed with him for the short amount of time that he played. He was three of five for passing for 30 yards. He had one rush attempt, which was the three yard run for the touchdown. And the thing that impressed me the most about him was that his first pass was incomplete. The defense really rushed him. He didn't have very much time. The line didn't hold for very long, but the very next play, he started dropping back like 20 yards to buy himself more time. And he started completing passes at that point. That was one play that it took for him to make that adjustment. To me, that's something that you want to see in a real competitor, someone who's able to really work with what they've got and make those adjustments so quickly. It's just exciting because depth at quarterback is not something we've had in the past. And it's really refreshing to 
to see that and to know, you know, we've got some good options, you know, if Adrian has a bad game or if he does get hurt, there's just that ability to rotate someone else in as well. Yeah. So, And I think there's something special about the fact that he's just a hometown boy. I love all of our Huskers, but I think he's from Wahoo and there's just something special when those boys take the field and it's just like, you know, he's got relatives and friends and family on the crowd. Um, I, I feel the same way. I love having depth at quarterback. I love if something happens to Adrian, which I would hate, but I love knowing that I mean, he was at UCF with Scott Frost, so he knows this offense probably maybe even a little better than Adrian does because he's been working it longer. So um, that just makes me feel really comfortable with him in there. All right, let's transition to our defensive players. But first, I have a trivia question. for. So obviously we had a few blocked punts at this last game. When was Nebraska's last blocked punt prior? Um, I'm going to say... Illinois in 2017. I have no idea. I will guess Michigan State 2015. Well, it is Illinois, but it was at last year's game, which Amy and I were at. So we actually saw the last block punt before this game this week. So fun little trivia question there for you guys. Wasn't, okay. I thought 2017 was last year. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. No problem. That's why I was guessing that. Okay. So yeah. My bad. It is 2019 right now. Gotcha. And the person that blocked two of them was Isaiah Stalbert. He is a redshirt freshman walk-on from Kearney. So, Amy, there you go. A little bit of love for your hometown boys. Woohoo! All right. My pick for defensive player of the game is going to be Eli Sullivan. And it's a name you probably don't hear a lot. But when they went for it on fourth down... He was the one that batted that pass away to keep our goal line stance. So I I went ahead and picked him. It was a crazy play. Everyone saw their player get open, and then he just flew out of nowhere and knocked it down. It was beautiful. Perfectly clean. I love that kind of play. Good choice. I am going to go with JoJo. I really liked the defense we were in this week. I like that we moved to the nickel. They pulled JoJo from outside linebacker and had him playing nickel back, and... He did amazing. He had some awesome like open field tackles and Scott Frost was even talking about him in the press conference saying that like Jojo is just one of those guys that has the instinct that just knows what to do and how to tackle. And um, he, he has like the speed and agility to cover receivers. He can stop the run. He's big enough. So he just kind of can do it all back there. And I thought I really liked the defense we were in this week. And I mean, we held them to two field goals. That safety was not on our defense at all. Obviously they weren't even on the field. So they basically allowed six points all game. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah, I agree. Our defense is looking so good. It's like watching the old Nebraska again, where you're just so confident in your defense um, because you know they're going to get the job done when they get out there. Uh, My defensive player of the game was Braxton Clark. He's the freshman cornerback. He had three tackles in the game, but he is the player who intercepted Ross Bauer's pass in the fourth quarter. And I think The thing that's encouraging about Braxton Clark is that he played such a great game, but also he's a young talent. He's a freshman. So we have three more years to look forward to having him as part of the defense. I think that's exciting. Yeah, I remember the old days back when like Charlie McBride was the defensive coordinator and all the shutouts that we would pitch. um, They were not uncommon to get. And back when we had Jason Peter, Grant Wistrom, like those were the glory days of the black shirts. And I just love that we're getting back 
back to that. If you'd have told me at the beginning of the year that our defense would be carrying us and our offense would be struggling, I wouldn't have believed you. But I am just so impressed with our defense. I love it. Yeah, I'd also like to give a special shout out. This is more of a special teams player of the game. Mm -hmm. But because he is technically a safety, I will nominate Lane McCollum. Is that how you say his name? I've never even heard of him before. Yes. Yes, that's yeah, how they're they just couldn't even it. find him on the depth chart. Yeah, they couldn't find yeah. his name. They were like, number... And then they were like, we don't have a name for him yet, but we will try and find out who he is. Yeah, so he picked three extra points without really any preparation. He didn't know that he'd be doing that. It was just kind of a game-time decision and, you know, way to stay cool under pressure there, bud. Yeah, he actually said he had, like, no idea, and the coaches were like, get in there, you're kicking this one. And he said it was so fast that he didn't even have time to get nervous or anything. He was just, like, in there, and it was just instinct. So I thought that was cool. And I do want to say one other thing. The the way that our defensive line was cutting through their O-line, it was like they were going through wet paper towels it, it was just so exciting to watch them just like shred through there and on special teams too it was just like there was no people there and then we were just blocking the puns it was just so exciting I just can't even put it into words how excited I, I am I think that next week when we play Illinois I think that we're gonna have a lot of success against them as well and I'm just really looking forward to seeing them play next week yeah did you guys have any other thoughts on the game as a whole I had yeah, I had a couple more. So besides uh, Brandon Hymas, the other injury we had was Cam Taylor Britt. Um, mm. So he had the right shoulder injury, went out in the second quarter. Um, he's still listed on our depth chart, um, so I don't have an update on him, but hopefully he is doing okay. The last thing, though, that I kind of wanted to wrap up with was it doesn't necessarily go out to a specific team, either offense, defense, or special team, but kind of a team as a whole. Do you guys know how many penalties we had this week? One. one. We had one, and it was not a procedural. It was, um, unfortunately, a 15-yarder. Still, it I was. <laughs> love seeing us play a clean game. No false starts. Um, no illegal shifts. No offsides. No pass interference. That is so impressive. So that's a shout-out to the team as a whole. Fans want to see that. that. That was encouraging. Yeah, I agree. Um, I and like on TV, they didn't show he was off the screen and what happened. So we couldn't even see what he did. So I don't know if it was even warranted what he got because it was a personal foul, right? Yeah, there was just some jarring after easy okay. kickoff or the punt. And they I do roughing each other up a little bit. So I don't know. I mean, I do hate that because those are just like no brainers. It's not like you, you know, accidentally did that but yeah this I'll take one penalty um any day yeah overall super clean game really impressive I mean fans want to see you play smart and that's what it was so very pleased with that as well overall I thought it was such an encouraging game especially going into Illinois next week I think the confidence that the players must have after a game like that is just gonna help them super excited to see what happens next week same's all right, well, you want to move into our next section, Amy? Now we're moving on to Football on Fleek, the segment where we talk about fashion and football. Very important. And this week, our topic is best hair. Who has the best hair in college football? This can be a player or a coach, anyone involved in college football. Laura, do you want to go first? Sure. I really enjoyed this research that I did. My pick, and I'm not going to lie, I had to Google it, 
Mo Washington always has some fun hair, I will say. But the player that I found, and you guys might have to Google this, is going to be a rival for Trevor Lawrence. His name is Cole McDonald, and he is the Hawaii quarterback. You guys should take a look at that. You need to look at his picture before he went to the University of Hawaii. He is the most clean-cut, preppy-looking boy. Short brown hair. And now he has this fade that is dreads and it's blonde. I mean, it's completely different. He looks like a different person. That is a great choice though, Laura. I did, his name did pop up when I was researching as well. Why don't you go next for us, Megan? Okay, well, I had a feeling that you were going to choose Trevor Lawrence. Oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not choosing Trevor Lawrence. I probably wouldn't have chosen him anyway. I just completely wrote it off because I figured you would choose that one. My selection is a player that you will have to Google. His name is Blythe Hall. He plays for Appalachian State. I will send you a picture of him right now so that you can see what I'm talking about. But he has the most beautiful, blonde, curly hair. If I had to describe it in a sentence, (laughs) it would be Taylor Swift 2008. Or Beauty and the Beast 1999. No, no, not really. Yeah, he has, like, that color. It's, like, that brownish-red, and he has, like, that, like, lock. Blonde. It definitely has some highlights in it. (laughs) I'm totally seeing Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) Thank you, Amy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is the Beast. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Yeah, we'll have to post it on our social media. Sure, let me send you a picture of Taylor Swift with the same haircut, same style, everything. Yeah, but her face, I mean... It, I'm not saying faces look the same. I understand that, but no, the face makes the hair look different too. Plus hers are like more, his are like, I got out of the shower and like they dried like this. And hers is like, she used a curling iron for three hours to get that. Okay. Well, anyway, that's my choice. I would take that hair any day. So I think it's lovely, Mr. Hall. You have very nice <laughs> okay. All right. So, first of all, I do have to say RIP to Jack Stoll's mullet. That was my favorite hair in all of college football. I liked everything about it. And then he shaved it off after the game of which we will not speak. I was actually really sad about that. Running your fingers to that mullet, though. I know. I mean, I I bet there was some tangles because it looked pretty thick. But anyway, I have to give it to Mo Washington just because I have never seen a black mullet before. I didn't think it could really be done, but he he has one. And I, I do think, though, that we could do this segment on just Nebraska players for many, many weeks and keep coming up. Did you hear the commentators at the game on Saturday? They kept saying the more and more Nebraska players that take their helmets off, the more scared we are because they kept seeing like mullets. There's like several guys with mullets, several guys with just I don't know. It's We have pretty good hair, I think. All right, well, seamless transition into our college football games. (laughs) Okay, well, why don't we talk about some football games from Saturday? What did you guys think about the Clemson-Syracuse game? Snooze fest. Yeah, everyone was talking about, was it going to be a matchup in closer to how Syracuse beat them last year? No one thought it was going to be. Everyone was right. 
no surprises. Well, it was like the first three plays. I think they got like a three and out. And it was like, oh my gosh, this might be exciting. And then it was like Syracuse. They were like the wet paper towel and like Clemson <laughs> was running through them. What, what analogy is this wet paper towel? I'm familiar with like a hot knife through butter, but I'm not familiar with this paper towel. No, that's like what it would be like. It, it's like, okay, you know yeah. those things that you run out before like high school football games and you run through the paper and you like just punch a hole and everyone runs through and they tear through it really easily. But this is like a step beyond that. It's like soft and wet. So you don't even have to break anything. You just run and it just falls apart. That's what that means. What about if it was like wet toilet paper? That's what she said. <laughs> Yeah, similar idea, but I was just saying wet paper towel because they're, like, a little bigger. I can just see Laura. She's frozen on my screen with this, like, smirk on her face. And I know she's just said that's what she said, and she's all pleased with herself. (laughs) That's all I can see. But, yeah, no, well, and I understand Syracuse had, like, a bunch of issues on their line, too, and they switched a bunch of players around, and that's just never a good game to have to figure new crap out when you're playing Clemson. So I, I didn't think it would be that bad. I thought it would be close to what the spread was, but it was not. Yeah, that yeah. game got changed pretty quick. I didn't watch the whole game. In fact, I only watched a very little bit of it, but Trevor Lawrence threw two interceptions, and I think Clemson won as big as they did because their defense is amazing, not because their offense was really clicking. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback, but I just think you're playing Syracuse and you're throwing interceptions. They don't have a defense at all. That's less than impressive to me. Yeah, I was underwhelmed by the whole game. I do have kind of a fun fact. We'll call it a trivia question for you. Did you guys notice something unique about this week's games? All of them. There were no top 25 matchups. Yes, correct. There was no ranked team playing another ranked team. I found that interesting. And by interesting, I mean none of the games were that good. Game day went to Iowa State, so that tells you right there that there's no good games going on. All right, well, what about Alabama? Did you guys watch any of that game? I watched watched a little bit of it. That run by Najee Harris where he, like, hurdled the guy and then, like, carried two players into the end zone with him. I don't understand when um, they're talking Heisman hopefuls because I watched a couple – college football post-game shows like where they just did all college football reviews and stuff and it's just all you hear about is Jalen, Tua, and Trevor Lawrence. Why are we not hearing more names? Because it it's not a quarterback award but like they just automatically go there every year like almost every year and it's starting to anger me a little bit because I think there's some really good running backs this year. I mean you've got Dobbins and I'm not saying that they should be getting the Heisman. I'm, I'm not saying that at all, but it's just like there's not even talk. All I ever hear, the three names are Tua, Jalen, and Trevor Lawrence. And it's just, I don't know, I would be pissed if I was those other guys. Well, I see two problems with that, honestly. Number one, it's like the default quarterback award, kind of like what you were saying. And the second problem I see with that is you're choosing quarterbacks from the top performing teams, which I understand that's what you're seeing every week. But of course they look good. I mean, look at Trevor. They have, right. And he still looks good because he has amazing receivers and he has, you know, an offensive line that's out of this world. You know what I'm saying? It's just they look good because they're playing with such amazing supporting cast. I'm encouraged that at least I'm hearing Joe Burrow in the talk now after his game against Texas. 
Um, so I do think that there's opening up a little I mean, bit of it's room, nice I mean, to get a new name, but he's still a quarterback. Yeah. And, but the same with Justin Fields, like I watched some of the highlights from that Ohio state game. He has three minutes to throw the ball every single play. His O line is incredible. And it's just like, is that really that impressive? I don't know. Like when you have that much time to throw, I'm, you know, more impressed with somebody at like Northwestern that's like <laughs> got no help. And he's, you know, scrambling to, has to make his own plays. I don't know. I think that should be taken into consideration I agree what do you guys think about the Florida and the Kentucky game I thought that it was fortunate for Florida that Felipe Franks got hurt um and that sounds brutal and harsh but I think that's what won them the game it is exactly what won them the game they were down when he got hurt I don't know why it takes him getting hurt for Dan Mullen to pull him He's not able to handle his emotions. Like he's a very emotional player. Yep. And I think yep. sometimes a quarterback that works to their advantage. I think of like Baker Mayfield. I mean, he was a very emotional player, but he was able to really channel that and it made him play better. Felipe Franks does not play better when he gets emotional. He just sabotages himself and the team. He's fumbling. He's making bad passes. He's making horrible decisions. I don't get it. I really don't understand what. I'm not there during their practices, so I don't see everything that's going on, but it's a mystery to me why he has been a starter for so long. I saw him play four games that he did well in last year, and they were mostly because I think Florida was dominating and he was comfortable and it wasn't emotional. Every other game I've seen him in, he's been a disaster. Anyway, I mean, it's unfortunate for him that he's hurt. It's unfortunate that... Florida is probably going to be a lot better now. <laughs> Makes me kind of sad. The, the real depressing part. I mean, yeah. so the backup quarterback, Kyle Trask, comes in, however you say his name. Keep in mind, mm-hmm. too, though, that Kentucky lost their starting quarterback as well. So they were winning with a backup quarterback mm-hmm. and almost pulled it off. So did you guys notice the kicker's name for Kentucky who missed the field goal? His name was Chance Poor. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> That's not as good as like stinky or smelly, but yeah, or blew it. Yeah, very close. <laughs> blew it. What do you guys think about Notre Dame playing Georgia this week? I Who am would... excited. Game. I'm excited. I think it'll be a good game. That will be a really good game. Who do you have? I, don't... I mean, I know Notre Dame blew out their opponent this week. Georgia is always consistent. I honestly haven't watched either of them a lot. But I'm excited to see how it matches up. I did want to give a shout out to Georgia. That was really cool what they did this week for Wendy, the wife of the head coach of Arkansas State who died. They did the pink out and all the fans like wore pink. And they even had students there with like the body paint on. It was like, remember Wendy. I thought that was just like a really class act by Georgia. You don't really you don't always see that. So Georgia is one of my favorite teams down in the SEC. So yeah, I thought that was cool. You know, I like Jake Fromm, so I would say Georgia's probably my favorite. And um, unfortunately, Georgia shut them out. But otherwise, it was very nice yeah. from Georgia. Yes, it was a nice gesture. Um, and then they spanked them. But I was thinking, and I, like, I, I, of course, want to be in the playoffs every year. But I, I was thinking, wouldn't it be weird if it was either, like, if you were writing the story of college football and you got to pick if either or both of these happened? Ohio State played Georgia. Justin Fields came from Georgia. He's like a transfer from them. And then they met in the playoffs. That's a good story. And or Oklahoma playing Alabama. And it's like Jalen Hurts. And it's like, who's going to get the better of each other? They came from that. Like, I don't know. I just think if one of those or both of those happened, I think that'd be good football story. Yes, it would make a good story. I agree. So, Amy, you kind of talked about 
Georgia being um, considerate for Arkansas State's head coach losing his wife. Tennessee played this week. Um, they did win. We'll get to that. But the gesture I wanted to talk about is that kid uh, that went to school, I think, in Florida and was a Tennessee fan. And it was like, wear your team's like, school yes. shirt to and school. I t- I texted you guys that, like, in the middle of the week before it became big. And I was like, the sad part of this whole story is that this kid is a Tennessee fan. <laughs> but, that is um, unfortunate. But, but apparently Tennessee made, like, they copied his shirt design and, like, made a bunch of them. And they were selling out. So that was yeah. kind of a cute story that they did. Yeah, that was that was cute. Can we just talk about, though, Jeremy Pruitt self-naming his Tennessee team, referring to them as the Titanic? Because... Did he not see the end of that movie? Because, like, nothing good happens for anyone on the Titanic. (laughs) He was talking about the mice running to the top. And he's like, we're going to see people moving to the top. And it's like, you know those mice died when the boat went under. (laughs) Do you remember that part from the movie? I do not remember mice running. Was he talking about the first one, maybe? He's pretty old. Is he? I don't know. When I first heard the quote, I was like, oh, wow, that is a good analogy. But then I was like, why is he referring to the team as the Titanic that seems strange that he's encouraging his players to jump in lifeboats and save themselves and then when I heard the whole quote I was like oh no he's not saying that Tennessee football is sinking he's not intending to say that he's actually saying this is a good thing he didn't think that one through yeah and I don't even remember that part with the mice I did see the movie but it's not a great movie I think anytime characters are so unlikable that you don't feel sad when they die, that's not a good movie. Okay, is that you, that's, Megan? Okay, or is, that wow. reg- is that regular people? Because, no, Megan- because I think the Titanic was a horrible disaster. It's very sad. But this movie did not make me feel sad about it. Okay, Megan, we were watching the okay. Michigan State game, and I was like, oh, look how sad Mark D'Antonio looks. Literally, I was saying that out loud, and you text me, Mark D'Antonio's face, LOL. <laughs> I did. I was laughing. He looked so over it. He was just like, you are why like, do I put up with these imbeciles? Well, he had a point. Yes, he just looked done. He looked so done. But you guys want to talk about that game? Did you watch the end of it? Yes, I yes. would like to. But I'd also like to point out that if you pulled the general public, they would completely disagree with you, Megan. Well, I'm yeah. okay with that. I do think people were a little mad at Rose because there was room up on that board for him. And so they might be a little mad at her. But I think everyone was sad that Jack died. Yes. Okay. Okay. I think you're just heartless, honestly. I agree. So comment, though, on the Michigan State game. Again, I wasn't able to watch it because I was down tailgating um, in Lincoln. But I heard that there was a missed call um, on the kick. So I know they had the initial one and then they backed it up. But then I heard that the other team jumped over the center in order to block it, which is a penalty, and they missed it. Yes. yes. Not only did he leap over, but he, like, yeah. jumped on the snapper, which you're not allowed to do until their head is up and they are engaging. That's what she said. Thank you. His head was still down. Please, like, I don't know. Now I'm, like, guarding every word. His head was still down, and the guy jumps over and lands on him, like, kind of uses his hand to touch the guy. <laughs> Hold it together. <laughs> Touches okay, him. You can't do that hand motion, Amy. I'm sorry. I just use my hands when I talk. Okay, I'm going to eat my chocolate. So, yeah. So, there was two. They could have called either one. The leaping or um, running into the snapper before his, you know, his head was up. And they didn't call it. Which, I see both sides. 
Uh, Michigan State shouldn't have put themselves in that position. They should have made sure there was only 11 men on the field. So their fault. But then they should have called the leaping or one of those penalties. And they should have gotten another chance. So I do see why he's upset. And I don't understand why that's not reviewable. I really don't. I understand why certain plays are not reviewable. Like if there's a fumble or something and they blow the play dead, you know, they whistle. And so the other team doesn't try and tackle them. I understand that, but I don't understand why that play right there, like penalties aren't reviewable. I don't understand that. Enlighten me. I don't know why that is either, but I do think it's ironic that Michigan State lost a game in 2016 against Indiana because the Spartan defender hurdled Indiana's protection units. Indiana missed the field goal, but then Michigan State was called for that exact penalty. So I'm sure that is part. Extra (laughs) salt in the wound. That is frustrating. I don't know the specific rules of why certain plays are or aren't. But if you look to the NFL, the ability to review plays they put in force now after the blown Saints call last year, now coaches are able to challenge like a pass interference yeah. play. And, and they it did it. It slows down play. So I get wanting to review it, getting it right. But I mean, there's a time and a place. So I don't know on that. My other question, though, speaking of controversy on the ref's side is the North Carolina Wake Forest game. Did you guys watch that? I didn't watch it, but I know about the the second that should have been left on the clock. I guess my question is, I because I wasn't watching it, maybe I would know this if I had watched it, but did Mac Brown not challenge it or anything? So how I understood it is, one, it's a little bit, of, I believe it's the running back that carried the ball. They handed it off to him. He ran, and he should have just run out of bounds but he was trying to get a little bit of extra yardage and they kind of stood him up. So then he moved backwards. And as he's moving backwards, he steps out of bounds because his forward progress is stopped him moving back and then stepping out of bounds does not stop the clock. So it's basically like he was still moving forward. The play is stopped, but the time continues. So at that point, the refs have to blow the whistle and call it dead. They didn't. They ran off the field. So he, so Mac Brown could not challenge the play. It was on the refs. And I saw the ACC issued a statement about discipline. But that yeah. was a rule I didn't know. I assume because he stepped out of bounds, they would stop the clock. But apparently it's not because his forward progress stopped. That's when they kind of hence ended the play. But that didn't end the clock. So the refs I- should have blown it. I think what happened with him is he knew there was a few, like only a few seconds left. And as he was running... Because you see his head move around like he's looking for the clock. I think he was like, has time already expired? Do I just try and like turn around, like lateral it to somebody, try and keep this play alive? Do I go out of bounds quickly? I think he was kind of caught like, what do I do? And so he didn't do anything and then backwards and out of bounds. And then it was just too late. That's always unfortunate when they end on controversial calls. Yeah, I agree. Little fun fact. North Carolina is still undefeated in conference play because this game was actually a non-conference game. Isn't that weird? Which is kind of ironic. Fun fact. It is strange. Fun fact. Fun trivia. But yes. Okay, so you guys ran away from the Michigan State game before I could tell you a joke that I came up with myself this week. So do you guys want to hear it? Yes, definitely. Okay. Get ready. Okay. Uh, So. Why could Michigan State not get into their locker room after the game? Do you have any guesses? Or do you want me to just tell you the punchline? The Spartans (laughs) lost it? (laughs) Um, No. 
because someone painted an end zone on it. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one, Amy. <laughs> I came up with that all by myself. Okay. <laughs> We're so proud. That's so funny. Okay, well, thank you for that lighthearted <laughs> humor. What do you guys think about the Michigan-Wisconsin game this week? I think it's going to be interesting because they both had a bye. And it's like, so they have two weeks to prepare for each other. They're going to be bringing out all the stops. I mean, it's a huge game. I'm really excited. Yeah, who, who do you give the edge to? I actually think I give it to Wisconsin based on what I saw from Michigan they, I think they're like leading power five conference teams in like turnovers per game or something like that. I think Wisconsin has the edge this year. I think Wisconsin is favored by three points right now. So Vegas has it at a close one. I think that's a pretty spot on spread. I'm going to go with Wisconsin. And again, I haven't watched a ton of them play. I know Michigan faltered a few weeks ago a little bit. Wisconsin still looks sharp. Wisconsin gets to play at home. So for that mere fact, I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Yeah, my gut instinct is to go with Wisconsin as well. I think they're just a more well-rounded team, but you just never know how they'll match up. So we'll see, but I think Wisconsin as well. What did you guys think about the Penn State-Pittsburgh game and the coach's decision, the Pittsburgh coach's decision at the end to not go for it on fourth down, but to kick the field goal? I thought it was the wrong decision. If you make the field goal, Penn State gets the ball back, and then if they score, you're still down two scores. It does you no good. I thought the real problem in this game, you know how they tell you in business that you need to, like, dress for success? Those jerseys were so ugly that Pittsburgh was wearing that I feel like that played a part in losing them the game. <laughs> I'm not even were, kidding. Were they, like, throwback jerseys? Cause they I, kind don't, of looked- I don't know, but they were so ugly. And, like, the color shade didn't look like they're normal. It was like almost the shade of those circus peanuts candy that like gross orangey yellow. Blech. I don't know who designed those, but they should be fired. I okay. literally wrote that down when I was watching that game. I was like, why did they not go for it? I don't know if you heard any of the press conference afterward, but he defended his decision. I don't understand how you make that call. It's, the Titanic reference? Well, he did not. So he's one step ahead of Jeremy Garrett. Yes. Yeah, I just thought when you're down seven and it's you're on the one yard line, why why do you kick the field goal? I don't know. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Other games, Iowa, Iowa State. What did you guys think of the game day game this week? Uh, again, snooze fest for the most part. I mean, just the fact that they kept going to weather delays several times it was just so annoying and that honestly was in favor of Iowa State Iowa football is wear you down make you tired not play a couple plays go sit up in the locker room put your feet up rest a bit draw some plays up while you're on offense so I thought that that really helped Iowa State but the one thing that I saw against Iowa that really makes me feel good for when we play them is they had giant holes in their secondary just massive ones and I think that we have a okay (laughs) I can't believe <laughs> I was mature. I was letting you talk. I thought their secondary was just very weak. If Iowa State hadn't screwed it up on that punt and like ran into each other and they had a chance, yeah. they, they had like a minute 30 left. I think if they had a chance to drive down, I think Iowa might have been in trouble. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a crazy end to that game. I mean, your own player, you know, running right yeah. into you and 
muffing the punt. And everyone's like, that's on you as the punt returner to be calling out that you're catching, you're fielding the punt. But I'm like, you got to have some field awareness of where you are that your punt returner is two feet in front. It's not like he backed up into him. He ran face first into that guy. I don't know. And as a punt returner, you do have to look at the ball to catch it. Can we also talk about the fact that Brock Purdy is the most Iowa State quarterback name ever? I thought the same thing. I was like, Purdy, he's from Iowa. So I want to kind of talk, though, about Matt Campbell really really quick. Just because we've also talked about in the past um, Jeremy Prue. We've talked about Willie Taggart. So Matt Campbell... Do you think that he continues on with Iowa State or accepts an offer to a bigger school? I think in any chance you're at Iowa State and you get a chance to leave, you take it. That's a no-brainer for me. Here's my question, though. Is he having enough success at Iowa State to get an offer from somewhere else? Here's the thing. I thought the same thing. He is a good coach. He's what gotten him to, to two bowl games. Is that right? So from where they've been, he has tremendously improved them. What do you guys think, though, is his record at Iowa State? I mean, I would imagine it's close to 500. You'd be correct. It's 20 and 19. But again, you have to look at where he took Iowa State from to where where they are now. I think this is going to be a hot take. I think if one of those coaches gets fired, I think Matt Campbell gets an offer. Again, I have to look at his contract. But I would not be surprised that when he gets the chance to take a bigger school offer that he does take it. Hot take. Yeah, I mean, I think if he gets an offer, he takes it because Iowa State is not the dream of most college football coaches. Of anyone. Yes, of anyone in Um, America. Yes, and I'm still sticking with my, I mean, you guys still think that Chip Kelly is going to be fired first, but I think that it could line up for Tennessee because I I really think Jeremy Pruitt, I mean, they had a big win. They're playing Chattanooga. Hello. So I think they're going to go like, one and five, one and six, and he's going to be like out the door. So maybe we could see that happening sometime soon. I think Megan and I picked Willie Taggart, who did again lose this week to Virginia. Oh, you guys picked Willie Taggart? I thought you picked Chip Kelly. No, we picked Willie Taggart. Have you guys heard about the Free Willie campaign? No. Okay, so there is a Florida State booster, and he and his son are selling lemonade to raise money to buy out Taggart's $17 million contract so that they can hire someone else. So far, the effort has raised $241, which was including $100 from one person. It was Taggart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, get me out of here. So anyway, and then that was matched. So basically, they have $482 in total towards this effort. $482 of that $17 million. I'm like torn because I want to donate to this cause because it sounds amazing. But I also want them to have to keep Willie Taggart because I don't want them to get a good coach. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm, I'm fine with leaving him there, but I don't think he is going to last. But that's I, not what we're arguing. We're arguing who's going to last longer. So I, no, no, I don't, no, no. <laughs> I don't think he's going to make it through the season. That's, I think Jeremy Pruitt is either. So I guess we'll see yeah. who... We'll see. We will see. Speaking of Chip Kelly, though, little trivia question for you guys. What two Power 5 teams have yet to win a game? Rutgers? Nope. They've won. Um, just give There's us a conference. Florida State and UCLA. No, Florida State won in overtime. But you are right. UCLA. UCLA, duh. Give us a conference. SEC. Mississippi State. Uh, nope. It's a little bit tricky because they've only played two games 
Vandy? It's Vandy. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Even Rutgers has won more games than UCLA and Vandy. I don't know. I just, I don't think things are looking good for Chip Kelly either, but. I think he has a little more. I I think he does. What were you guys' favorite signs from college game day? I absolutely love that two Iowa teams are playing each other. And yet they're bringing Nebraska into so many of their signs. I saw one that said Kirk Ferentz um, eats Nebraska corn and one where Nate Stanley prefers Nebraska corn as well. And I just, I absolutely love that we're coming off two losing seasons, two four and eight seasons. Game day is finally at Iowa State and they choose to talk about us. It's like we are in their head living rent free and I just absolutely love it. There were so many. Um, oh, there was another one that said, I don't care who wins as long as Nebraska loses. I welcome it. I like the one you sent, Amy. Um, I was going to say, I did see a bunch of signs about Nebraska from Iowa. And it was, they tried to use the ESPN acronym. And it was like, we even despise Nebraska. But like, they tried to use the S's secretly. Didn't make any sense. So nice try, guys. Um, the one that Amy sent, though, was basically, it was like, Nebraska, we're working on it. So I like that one. Yeah, and it was Tommy Frazier running yeah. up the middle there. That run against Florida. Can we just talk real quick about that Maryland game and how rattled Josh Jackson was? It was like he was a completely different quarterback in that game. I even said the night before, I was like, this spread just is like making me really nervous. They've had such an explosive offense. I think Vegas knows something we don't, and I should have listened to my gut. Well, it was the first time I think Maryland saw a defense. And I was surprised at how well Maryland's defense played. Way more defensive game than what I was expecting. I thought, oh, this will be a super high scoring. I feel better about playing Maryland. All right. So we'll move on to a segment that I have dubbed Fact Sacked. Um, And basically, it's a chance for us to correct any errors from our previous podcast. So on my last one, I had mentioned that the last time Nebraska lost to Colorado, we went on to the championship game, which is back in 2001. However, my hubby pointed out that we actually also lost to them in 2007 under Bill Callahan. So my point, though, was more toward the fact that one game loss isn't going to blow the season. So let's just stay positive. Okay. And in are you done with your facts, accent? Because I want to paint a little picture for everyone. The year is 2014. You're Ohio State. This is back when Tom Herman was still the offensive coordinator and Chris Ash was actually the co-defensive coordinator there. It's the first year that the playoff was in effect. So we're transitioning from the BCS to the playoff and Ohio State loses the second game of the season to Virginia Tech. Okay. The first playoff poll comes out after the eighth week and I think they're ranked like 16th. We were actually ranked ahead of them at the time. We were ranked 15th. And then as the season goes on, they run the Big Ten Conference. They win out all their games. They sneak into the playoffs in spot number four. They beat Alabama. Then they play Oregon for the national championship and win. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's how it's going to go for us. But after that Colorado loss, our second game of the season, I was like, it's over. Like I was in the depths of despair. And then I was just like, no, we can still have a good season. And not even that I think that we're going to make the playoffs or anything, because I really don't think we're quite there yet. But my trivia was, does anyone know the fourth team that was in the playoffs that year? Who was the fourth team? So it had to be who Oregon beat, obviously. Right. Good thinking. Was it Clemson? It was not. Okay. Oh, was it Florida State? 
Yes, it was Florida State. It was Florida State. They were in the very first one. Good trivia question. Thank you. And good pep talk. Well, let's look ahead to the Husker game on Saturday. We'll be playing Illinois in Champaign. What are you guys' thoughts on that game? Let's talk about who was the closest on predicting last week's game because it was me. Amy, you win. You predicted 42-13, I believe. 42-13, yes. Okay, so 44-8, that's not too far off. Laura, you said 38-17, and I said 35-14. I'm happy to say we all underestimated both the the offense and the defense. I'm happy to have been wrong. I'm excited to see what we do against Illinois. It's another road game. I'd like to get a road game win. Lovey Smith. At first, when Illinois came out their first game of the season, I was like, ooh, they might be a little bit better than I thought. Last week's loss to East Michigan, I'm like, all right, I think we can do this. I think we can get a win. My only concern is that teams, when they lose, tend to have a really good bounce-back game. So I'm hoping that that doesn't happen here. But I feel feel pretty good about it. I'm going to go 28-10 Nebraska. Okay, I saw how bad their O-line was and how rattled their quarterback was getting. And I think with our defensive line, I mean, you've got the Davis twins up there. You've got Darian Daniels. I think we are going to eat that line up. I think the quarterback's going to be rattled. I think we're going to blow them out. (laughs) Shocking, I know. I think it's going to be 47-10. Okay. Well, I mean, I have a lot of faith in our defense, so I am going to say 35-3. I'll give them a field goal, but I think our defense can keep them out of the end zone. I like it. Okay, another fun fact or trivia, whatever you want to call it. Do you guys know the last time we won on the road? Purdue. Purdue in what year? The game we went to. Yes. It's Purdue 2017. And I was going to say, and who was there? All of us. So we were at the last away game they won. So if any of our fans that are listening want to send us tickets, if you want to secure that win, you know what to do. All right. Well, we will keep the conversation going next week. Thanks for listening to College Dame Day. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, hit us up. We are at College Dame Day on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next week for more college football content.